What's up, guys? Everything Junior Hockey coming back at you. Today we have special guest Tanner Mortensen. Tanner, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> so I, I know, you know, you and I, obviously, we met through DJ McGrath on, on TikTok and like kind of through his story and things like that. Um, you know, I want to start with with your playing career because obviously you're not you're not from the states right you're, you're up in you're up in canada so i want to just kind of run through like how you grew up what it was like playing up there and then just like kind of run us through your career up until like you know this present year yeah um so i grew up up in canada like you said um, i'm from calgary which is in alberta um played all my minor hockey here in calgary and i was never a guy who played on the top tier and in Calgary they go by ranking systems so div one would be the top and then it goes two three four that kind of thing um I was never one of those guys that made div one and obviously I had a lot of buddies that would play on the one team and I was always that guy who was kind of working from behind um working my way up um once you get into bantam here in calgary that's when you kind of take that step to playing a little bit more of a higher level and you try out for quadrant um so i live in the south and i played for the calgary buffaloes hockey association my second year bantam um so you try out in your section of the city or your uh district and my first year bantam obviously didn't make that team um a little bit heartbreaking just because that was kind of the first time I ever went through those tryout processes when you are actually being cut and you're not really for sure going to play on a team that season. Um, went through that, went back to my community for uh, my first year Bantam, didn't even end up, end up making the one team again. I played Bantam two that year. And then second year went back tried out for quadrant hockey again I ended up making Bantam double A which was a pretty big eye-opener for me going from being a guy who was used to playing big minutes just because I was one of the top dogs on my team every year um, because I wasn't playing on that one team and then going into a team where it's the best Bantam players in your area so ice time was a little bit limited for myself and that's kind of when I got into that role of being a shutdown power forward kind of guy. Um, after that season, my parents and I had a couple discussions about me moving away, and my dad went to Notre Dame in Saskatchewan, so we kind of made the decision that me going out there would probably be a really good opportunity for myself, not only on the ice, but as a person and just kind of developing my education and picking up those life skills. So grade 10, First year midget, moved away from home. Uh, 14 year old Alberta boy, moving to the prairies. In the middle of nowhere, not knowing anybody, it was a little bit of a culture shock for me. Um, moving into a room with a bunch of strangers, going to school with a bunch of strangers, it was a lot different than what you have at home. So having to adjust to that was pretty different. Um, I was lucky enough to have three returners as my roommate that as my roommates that first year and they took me under their wing and made me feel like I was belonging there and I was involved with what they had going on. Um, and going into that year, I, I, you, you obviously have probably heard of the program they have at Notre Dame guys like Mo Morgan Riley, Dylan Dubay, um, all those guys came out of Notre Dame. So it's a pretty well-known hockey program. And I knew going into that first year midget, there's going to be a lot of good hockey players there and, 
I had my eyes set on playing midget double A that year. Um, so that would be grade 10 to 12. Um, I ended up cracking one of those rosters and that was kind of my, my first experience being around a bunch of guys who, um, our college hockey commits got drafted first round of the WHL draft, OHL draft. I wasn't really around that at home because I didn't play Bantam Tripway. But just going to school with all those guys, it was definitely a, a good eye-opener, I would say, just seeing the level these guys are at and seeing what they do on a day-to-day basis in order to get to that next level. It was definitely a really good thing that I could apply to myself and make me want to get to that point at some point in my career too so that first year like I said played midget double a um came home that summer and I uh I had my eyes set on making one of the midget triple a teams the following year um at Notre Dame they have two midget triple a teams the first team being the top team which is the top dogs of the school um Mostly all NCAA commits or first-round WHL draft picks, and then you have the odd import from Russia or whatever. But So that was kind of out of reach for myself. So I had my eyes set on that bottom team, which is more of a developmental team for the young guys, uh, grade 10-11 guys who more so junior A guys or ha- weren't lucky enough to commit at such a young age or get drafted. Um, went into camp. I thought I had a pretty good camp and I ended up kind of not making the team I wanted to. And that was kind of what I went through that first year Bantam. Um, and obviously you're, you're around these people all the time. Whereas at home you get to go home at night and you have your own space. But at Notre Dame, you're with these people 24 seven. So seeing your buddies on a team like that, it was obviously tough. Um, and you grow up and you, mature as a person years down the road and I, I can look back and I can gratefully say I'm, I'm happy I didn't play on that team that year um, I was lucky enough to be in a role as a leader on my midget double a team I ended up playing for that season and I also got to play more minutes being on that triple a team I probably wouldn't have got to play as much as I did so I'm really grateful I had that year to kind of build up my confidence and build up my offensive capabilities um finished out that season went back to Notre Dame for my grade 12 year and I had my full intentions of playing on that top team the following year um I was lucky enough I got to affiliate with the AAA Hounds the top team during that second year double a so playing a couple games with those guys I felt like I was right up there with them and having a full summer under my belt, I thought that this was something I actually could do and something I could make happen. I had probably the best tryout I've had in my entire life. I was hitting, scoring. I've, I've never felt so confident on the ice during a tryout and got down to the last cuts and I found out I didn't make the top team, but I ended up making that bottom AAA team, which was still a really big accomplishment for myself just because I never played at that level before and in Canada here Saskatchewan Midget AAA League that's probably one of the more notable leagues in the country so it's a pretty big step for me um I was also thrown into a leadership role that year I was uh, named captain of my team my last year of midget in uh, Notre Dame so that was a really big honor for myself and that's kind of the year when injury stuff started to happen for me. Um, we actually played the Hounds. It would have been in November 2017. Uh, there's a freak accident. A 
a player on the hounds went to hip check me and he missed and hit another guy and this guy fell into me and I felt something hit my knee and I thought it was just kind of a Charlie horse type thing. So I stayed on that ice, uh, the hockey tough guy mentality. There was a face off on the right dot in the offensive zone. And I lined up on the, in the, on the left side in the slot to get a quick shot from the slot puck dropped. My centerman wanted back to me. I turned to shoot and I just felt my knee pop and it was like skating on jello. Um, so that year, Sat out a couple months with my knee. I partially tore my MCL, partially tore my ACL, partially tore my meniscus. And I was known to be a lead by example kind of guy. I wasn't uh rah, rah, get loud in the room, scream and yell type of captain. I was more so like do the little things, pick up pucks after practice, lead in the weight room, lead around campus. That was kind of my uh, leadership style. And then obviously sitting in the stands that long it's a little bit tough to lead a team that only has 10 wins in a season um and that was my last year midget so it was a pretty big year for myself kind of figuring out where I was gonna go play junior um I had I'd attended a couple camps I remember I went to a null camp in grade 10 I went to Lone Stars camp and that was kind of an avenue I kind of wanted to exhibit a little bit but then uh I started talking a little bit more junior A teams here in Canada and I uh I won't keep I'll keep the team's name out of it. So I was I had full intentions of going to play in there my first year junior. Um some behind the scenes stuff happened and I ended up just signing my first uh contract with a team here in Canada at Notre Dame. I played my first year junior at Notre Dame. Um in the SJHL, so that was my first year, and that's kind of when this um, mental health and drinking and all that kind of stuff started to pick up for me. Um, first game of the season, my rookie year, we were up in Melfort. Another freak accident, guy fell, slipped, took out my other knee. So I, I'd just gone through what I did the season before, and now I'm redoing the whole thing on my other leg. Um, and now I was in the junior hockey culture where that boozing and partying and all that kind of stuff's around so I started to kind of experiment with that a little bit um ended up coming back from that injury we were up in Humboldt got hit along the boards as a winger and my head hit the glass everything turned black and green um don't remember getting off the ice really all I remember was uh going back on for the second period and the trainer was standing in the hallway there and I uh, kind of bambi legs, shaky legs right in front of her and she knew something was up. So I didn't end up finishing that game. Um, kind of went through all that concussion protocol stuff. And mind you, I was going through my own demons um, with the drinking and the mental health stuff. So I was doing things like cheating on the concussion exam and I'm not condoning any of that but that's just kind of the reality it was at that time for myself just how low I felt um came back from that injury we ended up having a neutral site game in Gull Lake Saskatchewan against the battle for North Stars um another freak accident guy went to hip check me kind of clipped me a little bit then I blew up my knee again from grade 12 so I went through all this injury stuff in one season um my rookie year, 
and I was done for the year. That was my last game, my rookie year. And I just remember feeling hopeless and like, what else can happen to me? Like, am I going to get hit by lightning? That kind of thing, just because of how much stuff happened that year. Um, same thing, the drinking stuff was still kind of, it was getting pretty bad. Um, just going through all that stuff that year. I was, uh, I ended up going home for a little bit after I got injured. I kind of had a conversation with my coach just telling him, like, I need to get out of here for a little bit because I've watched so much hockey in the past two seasons. Um, and I was drinking pretty much nonstop at that point. I came home, did the same thing, and it was probably July. Um, I I had the wheels turning a little bit. I was I'd been the, at Notre Dame for four years, and I kind of felt like it was time for a change for myself. Um, ended up having a conversation with my coach, and I asked out. I asked for a trade, and I ended up getting traded out to Merritt in the BCHL, um, and that was the season after they just finished first in their division. So. Going into that year, I knew that's probably the best junior A league in Canada, if not is the best junior A league in Canada. And there's unbelievable players in that hockey league. And even their lower end guys on each team, they're damn good hockey players. So I knew I had a lot to lot to prove and a lot to make up for from that season before, just because I didn't really get to play that much just from all my injury stuff. Um, had a really good summer, went into camp. Uh, I I kind of made a name for myself a little bit there on the ice, just with that tough guy kind of mentality. Um, long story short, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff happened in Merritt when I was there, just with the hockey ops and the coaching staff and some coaching changes happened, and I ended up leaving. Um, and I found out I was there was an opportunity for me to go to Swan Valley and – I had talked to them kind of leading up into that trade with Merritt. So I was kind of familiar with the coach a little bit. So I ended up going out there. Um, wasn't there very long. I was kind of up and down and in and out in the lineup. And I wasn't really sure what was expected from me as a player. Um, coach was super awesome. We had a one couple conversations before I ended up leaving there. Um, we had two guys come back from the Nall that were 20 and they played in Swan the season before and the coach just kind of pretty much told me, you know, that these guys are going to come in and you're not for sure going to be in the lineup every night and I know you need to be in the lineup every single night just because of how much hockey you've missed in the past two seasons and I, I really respect him for being super upfront and honest with me. Um, so I tried to go back to Notre Dame. Um I called my coach for my rookie year and I kind of sat down and met with him after one of their games and um, stuff just didn't work. They'd had too many bodies and if they brought me in, that would be another guy to kind of fit in that roster. So that didn't work out. And I had a buddy out in the Maritime League in uh, Canada. They, uh, His coach wanted me to come out and I was a little skeptical just because you hear you go to the Maritimes, that's kind of when careers go to die. Guys will say that's kind of like the graveyard. Um, ended up going out there, and I actually really liked it out there. Um, just the opportunity to go out east, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for junior. So I'm really grateful for that in a, sen a sense. But um, that was kind of like when it was really dark for me. Um, I wasn't... 
I was never a guy who would go out the night before a game or go out and party like a couple days before a game. And I didn't want to be labeled as a troublemaker. So that was, that was kind of the time when I started to, I'd be drinking during the week. I'd come home and I'd be drinking on a Monday night. I'd drink three bottles of wine, that kind of stuff and be doing it at home and not having a vehicle there too. It was a little bit tough and this would have been my third province in one season so having to go through all these readjustments with team systems establishing connections with my teammates getting used to the billets living with new billets time change it's like a four-hour time change so it was a lot of readjustments for me that second year junior um after that season that kind of sucked the life out of me that year, just having to move around as much as I did and then kind of going what I was going through with the mental health and the drinking. I uh, I had no intentions of playing Junior A my 20-year-old year. Um, I was going to end up playing Junior B here in Calgary, and it was probably, I'd like to say, a week before camp going into my 20-year-old year. I got a phone call from Estevan and the SGHL, and they asked if I'd come out um, if I, if they acquired my rights and I kind of thought, you know what, I can't do this ever again. I can only do this once. So I may as well do it and whatever happens, happens. Um, that summer I, I drank pretty much the whole summer. I was a mess. I think I was kind of going through a little bit of an identity crisis just because I knew that my hockey career was kind of starting to slip away. Um, and growing up, wanting to play pro hockey and get a college scholarship, knowing that that's kind of out the, out the window is a little bit tough for me to swallow. Um, and I kind of use that boost to escape from reality a bit. And uh, so I ended up going out to Estevan. And that was a COVID year. So we got shut down in November. And I, uh, I remember just sitting at home, like wondering what's going to happen. And we sat there from november to february and we weren't sure what was going to happen just because of the pandemic and all the health regulations and that kind of stuff in each province is different so i kind of just decided you know what it's time to pack it in and i uh, had a conversation with my coach in estevan and he completely got where i was coming from and yeah so that was pretty much my my path in junior and then now i'm just do i'm coaching some local skill stuff here in calgary um and then i started to kind of uh do the social media stuff talking about my story and then i've been going around talking to my story with teens and stuff so yeah it was a long road but i'm definitely happy to be in the situation i'm in now yeah no definitely thanks for sharing all that what what was the feeling like when you knew that the career was coming to an end? Because, like, I can remember, like, you know, my career ended with my seventh concussion, and I went through probably a two-year period where I was just like you. I was low. I was, you know, I was hitting certain things to try to, you know, kill, you know, kill the pain. But, like, what was it like for you when you realized that, like, all those dreams you had as a kid were just, like, just done? You know, I think going into my 20-year-old year, it was a little bit tougher just because I knew that I had another year left. Um, so that was, I think that was a little bit more of a tough spot for me to be in as opposed to after my 20-year-old year. year. Um, I had a buddy who I'd work with that summer and he 
he got traded to Malfort in the SJ, so we'd go work all day, and then he'd go work out, and I'd just kind of be sitting in the hotel. I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm not playing next year. And then we'd go out, and then I'd be okay. Um, after that 20-year-old year, though, I, that's kind of I kind of started to hate hockey at that point, honestly. Um, just everything that happened in, in my junior career, it all just kind of that was a cherry on top getting shut down and I wasn't enjoying going to the rink anymore. I wasn't enjoying the little things that you would, you're supposed to enjoy. So no, definitely going into my 20 year old year, it was a lot tougher of a pill to swallow just cause I knew like I have one year left and I can do something with this. But then I had my 20 year old year and I still couldn't do anything with it. So it was definitely tough, but I kind of surrounded myself with people that kind of brought me up when I was down, and yeah. Yeah, but I can, I mean, I can remember too, like, you know, how you go through it all for a period of time, and you kind of, you know, balance out of it, and you realize that there's, you know, there's something on the other end, but like now being removed from it for so long, are there still effects that you know you have from you know those injuries that affect your day-to-day life yeah for sure I mean my my knees are destroyed obviously we kind of talked about it there earlier the knee stuff I went through so like going to the gym and stuff's a little bit tough doing legs my upper body's strong and then I get to the squat rack and I can't lift as much as I used to as much as I want to so that's definitely tough and I'm pretty sore waking up in the morning my hands are pretty beat up. I, I guess I didn't really talk about it, but I once I got to junior, I was fighter kind of guy. Um, my hands are pretty beat up, but I mean, the head, I mean, concussion stuff. I, I think I have four confirmed concussions, and then I definitely have a lot more that just weren't diagnosed. Um, so, I mean, from that, I have a little bit of trouble remembering stuff, but uh, no, I can get by. I... Uh, I try and do stuff now to kind of make myself feel a little bit better. Like I'm rolling out a lot and I'm, I'm back in the gym. And after I stopped playing, I probably didn't go to the gym for the year because I was just, what's the point? I'm not playing hockey anymore. Why am I going to work out that type of idea? So started doing that again, taking care of my body and yeah. Yeah, definitely. When you, when you look back on that, you know, on that concussion there and, you know, when like, we you know, we all, we've all cheated the concussion test, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. even I did it too. Even I yeah. did it too. My, my second year of junior, you know, I cheated it during the game and then went out and got another one the next night. But when you think back now and you look back on it now, like you almost say like, it, it wasn't worth it, right? Like back no, then, like no. it's what you, it's what you had to do to stay in the lineup. Yeah. I think that's what DJ, DJ talks a lot about that too. It's like, we had to hide things back then to stay relevant in the game that we love to play. No, exactly. And just, I mean, I had that knee injury before that concussion that year. So I hadn't even established myself on that team yet. And I kept failing this test and failing this test. I'm like, you know what? Like I'm going to do what it takes to get in. Cause I, I need to play. Like I haven't played enough, but no, looking back now, like I, I wish I didn't do what I did and I wish I didn't cheat and I wish I would just played it safe and did what I was supposed to do because obviously it's there's a life after hockey and I think you don't really realize it until you're in the situation out of the game um but no I wouldn't I wouldn't condone doing that if you're hurt like 
do what you're supposed to do. Do wait how long you're supposed to wait. Don't rush it. There's no point in doing that because in the end, it's probably just gonna end up making it worse. Right, and I think like I mean, even in an area that you're from, you know, up there where hockey is huge, and I mean, even like myself down here where you know in Minnesota where like hockey is life and there's nothing else. Like we just like we grew up, we were just like trained that there was like nothing else other than hockey. You know, like that was it. Like we knew nothing else outside of that. And then it ends and you're almost lost for, you know, a period of time, right? Like I was lost for like four years once my career ended. You know, it's like you don't know what to do. No, no, for sure. And I remember when we got shut down for COVID and just sitting there for the three or four months, whatever it was, I'm just like, well, what the, what am I going to do? Am I going to wait and see if we're going to play? Am I going to wait and see if I'm going to get an offer to go play somewhere? Am I guess just going to go to school? That was kind of my thing. And then I probably would have taken a trade at school, whether it was welding or carpentry or something, but we're in the middle of a pandemic and you can't learn how to do that stuff on a computer. So I ended up applying for business here in Calgary, a business program um, as a backup plan, and it ended up being my actual plan. And last year was great. I had a really great time. I enjoyed it. And this year, I'm kind of like, I'm not, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So I'm actually going to be switching over to psychology next year and kind of get that side of things just because I have the life experience with the brain. And now I kind of want to know the in-depth parts of it and I had lots of conversations with my my dad about it when I was for sure done and he even told me he's like I'm almost 50 years old and I don't even want to I don't even know what I want to do with my life so you're good so no it's yeah it's definitely scary and you go through that identity crisis like we kind of talked about you don't your whole life you're working for something and then all of a sudden it's gone and it's like well what the hell am I supposed to do now so no I definitely relate to that yeah, definitely. Oh, and let, let's touch on kind of like, so now you've started going out and, you know, and speaking to teams and things like that. And I was like, you know, hockey to Helen back, like, you know, he does it too. And then D, DJ does it too. But each one of your guys' stories is, you know, is so different in like your experiences. What's like one main thing that you're like leaving those kids with that you want them to like take away from it? My thing, my biggest thing is just speaking up. Um, I remember numerous times just thinking I was alone and that there was no one I could talk to about this stuff. And we're supposed to have that hockey tough guy mentality. Like, oh, if you're hurt, like play. Oh, if you're, if you're sad, like you're not supposed to be sad. That type of idea. Um, and numerous times I remember finding myself like, what am I doing? And I, and I didn't feel like I could talk to somebody because I was scared I was going to get traded. I was scared I was going to get cut. I was scared I was going to get labeled as a shithead. So my biggest thing is just speaking up about what's going on. And it uh, it uh, doesn't even have to be someone within the team. Um, we're living in a day and age now where there's plenty of resources out there. And I, I'm one of them. I'm a super relatable guy. And I'm not far off in age by a lot of these junior guys. So, no, that's the biggest thing is just speaking up and then not judging a book by its cover. Um you don't really know what someone's going through on a day-to-day basis. So just being kind and not judging is definitely huge. And I remember there were some days I, I was so good at putting on a mask and pretending like I was okay and I wasn't. And 
the days where someone would kind of check up and see like, Hey, is everything okay? You know, that kind of made me feel pretty good that someone actually does care and does notice that something may be off. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't willing to put myself in those vulnerable positions and I wasn't willing to speak up and kind of like I talked about earlier, just speaking up about that kind of stuff. That's the message I want to leave. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's a great one to leave because I mean, like, you know, you, myself, DJ, like, we're all guys that, you know, years later, you know, we finally say something when, you know, when the, the long-term effects probably have already set in for all of us, right? Whether it's, like, with concussions or, you know, like, with the addictions and things like that. So, I, I know that there's a lot of kids out there that will probably say, like, well, you know, I don't want to let mom and dad down. I don't want to, you know, they put in so much money and time, like if someone came to you and said that, like, what, what do you say back to them if they, if they come to you with that? Well, that's kind of like I talked about earlier, like there's lots of resources. Um, and that was one thing I struggled with too. Um, kind of talking about the addiction booze stuff. I, my dad used to drink. So that was one, one factor in my brain every single time that I was seeing a glimmer of even talking about it, I was like, well, what do you think dad's going to think? Like, how disappointed do you think he's going to feel? He's been sober for over 25 years. Like, how do you think that's going to make him feel? And I ended up having that conversation with my mom and dad. And, you know, that was probably the best one I could have ever had. Um, Just leaving everything out in the open. There was no hiding things anymore. There was no tiptoeing around stuff. I didn't have to put on a mask anymore but if people aren't comfortable or players aren't comfortable talking to mom and dad like there's like I said different resources and I talked to I think five different people before I ever figured out what worked for me and I was lucky enough to uh, have some conversations with one of my former coaches from minor hockey Bob Wilkie here in Calgary he's a former NHLer and he was a part of that Swift Current Broncos bus crash in the 80s and that was a guy I related to and I felt like I could confide in and he's been through it all. So I found it super relatable for me and I did the therapy stuff. I went through that, like the AA singular AA type thing and didn't work for me. I didn't feel like I could relate to these people. So, I mean, for myself, it was finding somebody that I could relate to and that they wouldn't look at me like I had five heads on my body was what worked. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's all. I mean, it's all great advice. I appreciate you coming on. So they can find you on TikTok and Instagram, right? Are you on any other platforms other than those two? Yeah, TikTok and Instagram, they're both the same. Tanner.Mortensen27. I'm mostly on TikTok and Instagram. I've been kind of getting back on Twitter a little bit, but no, predominantly Instagram, TikTok, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on, man. And guys, if you have, again, if you need to talk to someone about it, like, you know, reach out to him, reach out to DJ um, and, and just speak up. But Tanner, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll have to uh, do a part two or something for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely will, man. Definitely will. We'll be in touch. And yeah, thanks for coming on. I'll probably drop this episode tomorrow because I want to get it out to everybody to hear. I think it's a super important one. So I appreciate you coming on <laughs> the day before. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, we'll see you, bud.